0: Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. Please subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave comments and reviews. The show is also on Facebook, Twitter, Google Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. The website for the show is theactorsroom.libson.com. The site gives you access to all past episodes. Enjoy the show.
1: Why don't I, as a season ticket holder, tell the Browns, "Call me when you're good." I'm not watching this experimental laboratory test tube crap. It's a bunch of garbage, folks. I'm sorry now, Tony. My job is to tell you how I feel, I'm a damn Browns fan through and through. I just love the Browns. I get excited every week to see the Browns play. But don't start giving me this, hey man, this year is all about, I don't want to hear it. I'm frustrated. I'm tired of watching crap. It's been crap for years. It's Groundhog Day. We haven't had a playmaker on offense in five years. And I'm sick of it. I don't want to give Carlton Mitchell a break. I don't want to give Colt McCoy the better than I I want to win! And I'm tired of people telling me that i got to watch this crap in order to get there. Can anybody turn around my team and make us a freaking winner in less than seven years? Please call Tony Rizzo. Boy, Browns fans are so desperate for a playmaker. They're willing to play the Carl Mitchell The guy called to say, tell me, to give Carl Mitchell a chance. Is that where we're at? child? Please, Thomas Clayton. Thomas Clayton. Riz, Chris Obaniah. Carlton Mitchell. Tony Pashos. Colt McCoy. You think you can match up with the Steelers? The Ravens? The Patriots, the Colts, one Manning, sir, the Texans, you're a joke! You're a joke! Your roster is a joke! The other teams around the league are laughing at you! I don't have to like it! Sorry, Mike! Sorry, Tom! Can you hear the frustration of my friggin' voice? I've had it! I've had it with sucking. God bless America. I have to get that out, man. I've been holding that in for a couple of weeks now. I'm sorry, folks. Screaming on the radios, is not, not, the, not the, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to get that out. I, honestly, man, I'm sick of sucking. Do you know what I'm doing at 1 o'clock? I'm turning off all sports for until tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I'm done. I'm done. Thank God I got to watch OU play a nice game last night. The blackout Joey, my son was there at Peton Stadium in Athens. They had a blast. They beat uh, northern Illinois or whatever. 35 31 is a good game. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not. You think you people think I listen to this crap when I'm not on the air? You gotta be out of your freaking mind. Carlton Mitchell! Carlton Mitchell! How many catches does he have in his oh home career? Oh my god, Aaron. But, Aaron but you know what Aaron, happens? What is, to they're People they're laughing at you. I want you to know the Texans defenders are laughing in your face today. There's a part of the NFL you don't hear about, folks. The players know. The players know better than anybody who sucks and who doesn't suck. They're they're salivating in Texas to come and play this offense this week. Everybody's gonna fatten up their stats. On the freaking Browns. God, I'm sick of this crap. And don't give me the we're on our way crap, because I don't see it. Sorry. (sighs) Sweating. You want to know why the offense is so bad? It's because they don't have an option. Nowhere to go. I wish I could say something to help calm I'm you down. Gonna songs, but I can't. I'm going do, to sit here. I'm going to sit here. am going to do? Tell, tell everybody, McCoy? freaking get excited. Get excited, folks. Carl Mitchell's playing on Sunday. Uh, 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 Mark Duper and Mark Clayton are coming on Sunday. Cole McCoy's running for his damn life again on Sunday. Can't wait to sit out and have some more fame f- 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 caught up for that. I'm going to need a friggin' bypass. What do you think Holmgren's thinking watching that? I don't care. I'm done with all of them right now. I'm sick of everybody right now. I got no friends. I'm the Cleveland sportsman. I'm the kid with no toys at Christmas. And I'm sick of it every Christmas. God. What did we do? Why do we have to put up with this? It's ridiculous. I'm insulted. How dare you pass this off for NFL football? How dare you? That offense is pathetic. And if you guys were running a company, you'd all been fired. I don't care crap who's been here how long. Don't give me that why well, you guys keep firing coaches and you'll never get a You think Manzini was worth keeping? You think Romeo Codell was worth keeping? You're an idiot. You think Butch Davis was a guy in a panic attack? Couldn't he would he gonna be in a sideline, you freaking loser? You think those guys were worth keeping? Hell no! You pinchers! <laughs> Stick up for the people of this town that gotta watch this crap every week. This is crap! It's like you're not even in the league! It's like we're not even in the NFL!
0: Welcome back to the actors' room, everyone. Happy New Year 2018. Wonderful. It's the fifth day into this new year. It's January 5th for me. It's a Friday. We're recording today, and we're going to talk about something different the Cleveland Browns. This is a very touchy subject for a lot of people here in Cleveland, especially right now in this day and age. Being a fan of this team is not easy. Uh, a lot of fans have jumped off, they have the, taken the plunge and root for another team now. Um, it seems like people here, when they do that, like to go and root for the Pittsburgh Steelers which I find to be absolutely disgusting if you want my honest opinion there are rivals yes they're good I admire them because of the way that organization is ran the owner he knows what he's doing Uh, this owner that we have Jimmy Haslam has no idea what he's doing and it's very frustrating I want to go ahead and take this time to talk about something that I'm very passionate about. I love acting, and this show, The Actors Room, is based on acting and talking about actors, actresses, films. But my other passion is football, and more so my Cleveland Browns. I fell in love with them when I was four years old. I know, right? It sounds weird. Four, like people can't even remember things that happen to them when they're four. I remember a lot of stuff in my childhood, and more specifically, the Cleveland Browns. Um, I remember the first game that I saw was around New Year's, around this time actually. I was at my aunt's house, she would always have a dinner for the family. My Aunt Diane would have a dinner, and the whole family would come over, and I remember sitting down on the floor, little guy, little Jeff, sitting on the floor, and my aunt had the TV on, and... It didn't seem like there were a lot of people sort of watching the game, but I was watching it. And it was the Red-Right 88 game. Brian Sype went back, threw it into the end zone, and was intercepted by the Oakland Raiders. And our chances of advancing in the next round of the playoffs was over. A very exciting game. A very cold game as well. I think they called it the Ice Bowl game or something like that. But very cold game, kind of like today. We had a temperature of 1.0. And with wind chills down below 18 degrees. So just a wonderful day here in Cleveland. But I guess back then in 1980, very cold day. And there was something about that game. Uh, I don't know what it is about football. It's the uniforms. It's the feel of it. Uh, the action. The hitting. The, the, the uniforms are just so cool. Uh, the helmet and uh, the, the pants and the shoes and the way they wear the uniform. The whole thing, it really appealed to me. So I found myself really being attracted to sports, and especially football. And my favorite team is always the Browns. Uh, and I, I watched them religiously. Um, and when I would get into trouble, which wasn't often, but I got bad grades in school, so my parents, as a punishment, would take the Browns away from me. That was my punishment. So when Sundays would come around, no Browns for me. I'd have to sit in my room. And it was just horrible. Not being able to watch the Browns. And that was one of the things that I loved so much that my parents decided, wow, we have something we could take away from Jeff if he's bad. So that's what they did. It worked. Um, So that's how much I love them. Um, I love the colors. They're orange and brown. And for me living in Cleveland, it sort of reminds me of fall. So when fall comes around, The leaves fall off the trees. They're brown, orange, so on. Everything about it appealed to me. So I kept up with the team. I kept up with the players, uh, with the news. I actually would listen to sports talk radio. And that clip I just played for you in the beginning is a clip from, excuse me, you know, I'm battling a cold, and so I'm sure everybody is. So if I have to clear my throat from time to time, that's why. Um, But... What was my point? What was I just talking about? Oh yeah, the talk show. What I just played for you was uh, a clip from Tony Rizzo. He is a pretty uh, uh, well-known sports talk um, analyst or just a talk show host in the area. He has his own TV show. I think it's Sunday nights. Um, and uh, He's very opinionated, very animated when he talks about the Browns because he loves them as much as I do. And when I listen to him, I, I like him the most out of all the personalities here in Cleveland. We have a few different stations on the radio where we can tune in and listen to sports talk. Well, he has a show in the morning, Monday through Friday. And when the Browns are struggling, he really has no problem at all uh, getting it out there and getting it off his chest and how much it bothers him. And it bothers us fans as well. So hearing Tony Rizzo just... Really let it out, it sort of is in a way like me letting it out. He's uh, he's almost like he's speaking for me in a way, and I appreciate that about Tony because I know he's passionate as well. Uh, and in that clip, it's very a uh, famous clip because he really did lose it, and that was from about five years ago. There was, uh, I think, Pat Shermer was coach, and um, gee. Right? Yeah. And Colt McCoy was our quarterback. And that was a very bad team. Uh, It was just hard to watch that team. Because it didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. Sort of like where we're at right now with this team. It just doesn't seem like they know what they're doing. I understand they're young. And I understand all that. When you have young players, they just don't know how to win. How to close out a game. You need uh, veteran leadership to help you. To guide you. Um, They didn't place enough uh, veterans around these young players, especially our quarterback uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Um, if you remember and if you're a Browns fan, Bernie Kozar, when he started out, had Gary Danielson there to help him, guide him, uh, to show him things, teach him. Although Danielson wasn't a top notch quarterback, he knew what it took to be a professional quarterback. This Deshaun Kaiser has no idea what he's doing. He's 21 years old and he has nobody. Uh, talking his ear off to him on the bench, on the sidelines, in practice, saying, kid, this is how you do it. This is, this is what happens here. This is what happens there. So I feel very sorry for Kaiser because he doesn't have that mentor to help him through this shit. And I blame the front office, and I blame Hugh Jackson, who was getting a pass up until recently uh, with uh, a lot of fans in the media, but that is slowly breaking down. He was 0 and 16 this year and he was 1 and 15 last year. I understand your roster isn't that great. I get it. But 0-16 is unfucking acceptable for any coach. If a coach goes 0-16, it should be a guarantee that he's fired. Because that is not acceptable. Okay, before I go any further and get myself into a just a, a rage. Which might happen in this episode because of the state of the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, and also, I want to point out that the Cleveland Browns are so horrible, okay, that the fans of this city have gotten together and have planned a parade, okay, it's as, as like a protest, this parade. It's happening tomorrow here in Cleveland on Saturday. I don't know what time, and you know what? I really don't fucking care. Uh, I know it's a protest and people are are wanting to say, Hey, Jimmy Haslam, Cleveland Browns, you're so horrible and we're so disgusted by your product. We are going to have a parade for your 0-16 season. Uh, They're going to go ahead and dedicate money to uh, some hunger centers and that's good. Uh, That's very nice. But I don't like the message. Uh, It's going to make us look like idiots. It's going to make us look like morons. We don't need that in this city. Uh, we're thumbing our noses to the organization that I get, but I think there are other ways to do that, and having a parade is just a bad idea. Um, here, I want to briefly discuss the history of the Cleveland Browns, and the team began in 1944 when a taxicab magnate named Arthur Mickey McBride secured the franchise. Now, legendary head coach Paul Brown was the man in charge, and there was a debate ...on what to call this new Cleveland team. Ownership started a contest... ...in order to poll the public... ...on what to name the team. There was a man that won the contest, right? And he picked the Cleveland Panthers. But there was another team at that time called the Panthers... ...and they had a losing culture. So Paul Brown kind of wanted to stay away from that. just uh, Maybe just thinking, okay... Uh, We want to stay away from all the negative culture. Let's think of something else. So they did another contest, and the next winner picked the Cleveland Browns. But here's a twist. Boxer Joe Lewis was very popular at this time, and a winner. And his nickname was the Brown Bomber. Is it possible? And a coincidence That the team is actually named after Joe Lewis. Because here in Cleveland, I was always told... I mean, the head coach's name was Paul Brown. And we were called the Cleveland Browns. And it just seemed, or I was told, that his namesake was the name of our team. The Cleveland Browns, after Paul Brown. Now this is an interesting twist, and I didn't know this. Is it possible that the, the second winner of the contest picked... The Browns because of Joe Lewis. Not Paul Brown. I wonder which is true. And if it's true that it was Joe Lewis. I find that so interesting. And all of us for all this time. Believed that it was because of Paul Brown. Now former San Francisco 49er head coach. um, And his name is. uh, Wow. Oh man. The coach of the San Francisco 49ers. In the uh, 80's. (laughs) My God. The the whitehead guy that won all the Super Bowls with Joe Montana, Walsh, Walsh, Walsh has said that Paul Brown was the father of modern football. And Bill Belichick has also stated his devout affection for Brown as well. Now the Browns were an immediate success. They won each of the AAFC's four championship games before the league dissolved in 1949. Then the Browns joined the newly formed NFL and continued its dominance. They reached the championship game every year between 1950 to 1955 and won the championship three times. Paul Brown professed discipline. He liked his players lean and fast. He was the first head coach to use game film In order to scout other teams. He was also the very first to hire a full-time cast of assistants. And would give his players, especially the quarterbacks, IQ tests. He also invented the modern face mask. The taxi squad. And the draw play. Though Brown was, was widely respected around the league. And he was. He indeed rubbed some people the wrong way. And among them was the team owner, Art Modell. Now, Modell was an advertising executive from Brooklyn, New York. And he bought the team in 1961. There was a power struggle between Paul Brown and Art Modell. Brown had actually completed a trade without telling Modell about it. And that is a big no-no. Okay, the owner, he owns the team. I think that if you're going to make a trade, he should know about it. So this was... Paul Brown pretty much telling Art Modell to fuck off. They were uh, having some disagreements about how the team should be run. And Modell was starting to feel that Paul Brown sort of was uh, maybe slipping a bit. uh, And not sort of evolving into the new way of the NFL at that time. And Paul Brown was very set in his ways. And the two of them were having a lot of disagreements about how the team... Should be run. And the bigger conflict is this fact Whose team was it? Was it Modell's team or Paul Brown's? Now, all of this friction came to this Paul Brown fired in 1963. This was a big deal. Now, Paul Brown then took his talents down the road to Cincinnati, where he created the Bengals. Behind the mighty talent, and Hall of Fame running back Jim Brown, the Cleveland Browns won the NFL championship in 1964, their last. They returned to the title game the very next season, but lost to the Green Bay Packers. And this was right before the NFL started calling their championship games the Super Bowl. The Browns hit some rough times in the 1970s and had a resurgent in the 80s behind quarterback Brian Sipe, who I feel is not talked about, enough. The team was nicknamed the Cardiac Kids and they were re- uh, referenced that because of their ability to come back and win games in the final minutes sort of giving us heart attacks and this is the team that I fell in love with when I was a kid. I was four and like I said watching that uh, I believe it was a wild card game against the Raiders just exciting times. Uh, then came Bernie Kozar in that era Um, And we came very, very close to making the Super Bowl. Uh, John Elway and the Denver Broncos uh, always were just a little bit better than us and really crushed us, especially um, the drive is a game that I have watched I don't know how many times, and I don't even know why I do that to myself because I remember when I watched it when I was a kid. It was 1986, so I was 10. I was 10 years old. Wow. And it really... I remember sitting there and I had I had this little Cleveland Browns helmet. Now it was like a Pee-Wee football league helmet. It wasn't official size, but it was like for a kid, this helmet. I still have it today. And I would hold on to that thing. Like it was I don't even know. Like a baby. It was, like, it was just there for support, you know? I would hold on to it, rub it for good luck, that sort of thing. You know, us sports fans, we're just we're crazy sometimes. But at 10, this is what I did. And I sat there clutching this helmet, watching the game, and we had this game. We had it. What was it, like four or five minutes left in the game. We had a touchdown, up by seven. Crowds going crazy. It was just, it was so exciting. Uh, It was at home in Cleveland. The game was in Cleveland, up by seven, four or five minutes to go in the game. We kick off, and it was such a good kick, too. That it landed like within the, the one yard line of the Denver Broncos. Like it couldn't have been any more perfect. It was so perfect. And so they're like, oh God, you know, John Elway, the quarterback of the Broncos, has to go 99 yards just to tie the game. So we felt pretty good. Little by little, John Elway, first down here, little by little, first down there. I think they even had a couple of fourth down plays. And there was actually a play. At the 50-yard line, okay, where John Elway was in shotgun. And it was probably third down or something like that. Well, there's a guy in motion going across. And they hike the ball. And I mean the ball just grazed the guy in motion. Hit his ass. Like it hit off his ass. And it just, just neb- if the, If the guy hiking the ball would have hiked the ball, I swear, just a split second earlier. Or if he was going across, it'd be later. Later. We probably would have went to the Super Bowl. Because the ball would have... And God only knows where that ball would have gone. Hopefully into the arms of one of our guys. But that didn't happen. And 50 yards later, uh, horse face John Elway. That's what I called him. Got a touchdown. He tied the game. And my heart sank. Because I knew at that moment... When they got that touchdown, they had all the momentum. Momentum is huge in sports. They had it, and it went to overtime, and they freaking won the game. And I think that that field goal still doesn't look good to me. I've watched that game how many times. It still doesn't look good to me. But hey, it was just their destiny to kick us out of trying to get to the Super Bowl. And then the next year, the fumble was also a very well-known game. Uh, That game was very frustrating because in the first half, the Cleveland Browns looked like shit. They just did not look ready to play that game. And I remember my parents were like, we're done. And they left. They did something else. Actually, no, what they did was they turned off the TV and they said, Jeff, if you want to watch this game, do it in another room. I was like, all right. So I got up and I went into their bedroom. They had a little TV that I could watch. So I turned it on and I'm watching the second half and we're catching up. We're getting back in the game. Late in the third quarter, I said, Ma, Dad, they're getting back in the game. They're like down by 10 or something. Like, oh, they're going to blow it. Don't you worry. I'm not watching it. Like, all right, fine. Well, they made a game of it. Ernest Beiner and Bernie Kosar. I, that was wonderful to watch. <clears throat> now, mind you, Ernest Biner is the player that fumbled the ball at the end. But if it wasn't for him, we would never have been in that position. So if anybody was going to fumble that ball, it was going to be him. He played his heart out. In that game. I mean, he single handedly got us back in that game, and he was probably running on fumes and he just wore out. Fumbled the ball at the one yard line. The Broncos recover, of course, game over. The fumble. So, once again, the Browns just short of getting to the Super Bowl. Now, they would play once again. Like a couple years later, for the third time, but the Broncos simply just kicked our ass that game. I hardly even remember that game uh, because I think it was just not very exciting at all. We got our asses kicked. End of story. Then uh, the Cleveland Browns hired Bill Belichick in 1991, and it was a smart hire for Modell. He was uh, Belichick was a defensive coordinator for the New York Giants, and had a pretty damn good reputation. Stern discipline and he had a plan and he sold Art Modell the plan that uh, number one he was um, very respectful of the organization, had a deep history uh, he professed his his, uh, admiration for Paul Brown and I felt that Cleveland was a great city to uh, build a hard-nosed team a team that plays in the elements uh, a strong team Uh, Blue-collar team. Everything that Cleveland is. Well, Belichick had it in his mind to do what he could to make a team just like that. The way the city is, is the way that that team should play. Because he felt that if he did that, uh, not only would the players buy into it, but the fans would just love that. Uh, It would would really appeal to the fans. And it did. Uh, At first, uh, Bill struggled in, uh, in the city, now, mind you, Bill was very standoffish with the press. He doesn't really like talking to the press. He's just one of those coaches. He has a hard time uh, talking about strategies and things like that. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm a head coach of a team. I know what I'm doing. What I'm, why do I have to explain myself to you? But you know what, Bill? It's part of the job. You have to do it. And he did for the most part. But he rubbed a lot of people in the media the wrong way. Um, and he struggled. In his first few years here. And our record was not that great. Uh, Five, six wins in I think the first couple of years. And then finally, his vision was coming true. And the team made the playoffs in 1994. Uh, And then Modell decided to move the team. Now there are a lot of rumors about why he decided to do that. I've heard that he was running out of money. Okay, And that was probably a big part of it. Uh, it reached a certain point where we, uh, as a free agent, hi, uh, got Andre Risen, the wide receiver. Um, and he was so overpriced. But we felt that we needed him on the team. Art Modell was so strung out on cash. He had to have his, have his wife go into a bank and take out a loan. It co- he couldn't even take out a loan in his name. He had to do it through his wife in order to sign Andre Risen, who ended up being a bust, by the way. He sucked here. He was horrible. Uh, didn't he have his house burned down or something? I don't know. What a... Ugh. Anyway. But, you know, our Modell really did care about the Browns. He did. He wanted to make us a winner. Um, and another reason why he might have left is what I heard is he took a tour of Cleveland Indian Stadium. The Jake... It was called Jacob's Field in the 90s. and was brand new. Well, Art Modell wanted a new stadium for the Browns. They were playing at the Cleveland Municipal Stadium. It held 80,000 people, but it just wasn't built for football. It was just, it was a dinosaur. He, it was falling apart, and he needed a new stadium. So he begged the city, asked him, asked him. And they kept on going, okay, we'll do it. Don't worry. It, down the road, it'll come. Just be patient. Well, When he walked through Jacobs Field, he was pissed. They got this new stadium, and I've been asking for years. I think that was the final straw for Modell, and he got a sweet deal from Baltimore. Couldn't pass it up, and he was gone. It was sort of um, caught everybody in the Cleveland organization, the Browns organization, and the fan base, the city in general. It caught us all by surprise. It was right in the middle of the season. And we were actually, I think we started the year like 3-1, and 4-1. and Really hopeful. Um, a lot of promise that year. I mean, we, we made the playoffs the year before. Belichick had the players just going in the right direction. It was looking good. And then they hear this news that the team is moving. And it just destroyed the team. I think we won one game after that. It was that bad. And I was so crushed. 1994. I mean, that was a year I graduated high school. I remember I put a poster up in the window. I'm going to miss you, Browns, that sort of thing. It was really sad. I think I blocked out a lot of it because I don't remember a lot of it. I'm sure I was so crushed. And I was without a football team for, what was in 94? And we came back in 99. Man, that was a long time. I uh, That's when I really dove into acting, too. Because during that time, that's when I really put my efforts into acting was because I didn't have a sports team like the Browns to really I, I love them a lot and I think about them a lot it's really kind of weird but being a, like a super fan or a devout fan that's what we do we can't help it it's kind of weird and sickening but it's a past you know a pastime for us it's something it's a diversion and we take very seriously when the Browns anything about the Browns like the littlest of news is a big deal to me Isn't it weird? It's really strange. Like, little news, like listening to sports talk stuff, if they're talking about the Browns, I'm listening. They have my attention. Now, I love the Indians and the Cavs, too. I do. I love them very much, but not like the Browns. And when I sit down to watch a Browns game, um, I pretty much watch the whole thing, even when they're bad. Uh, There have been a few times, like this past year, I had something to do around the house, so I had the radio on, but I have, to, I have to know what's going on. And I have to, either if I'm doing something with the family and I have to go like to a birthday party or you know a funeral. You know, you can't, I'm sorry, I can't go to the funeral. I have to watch the Browns. You know, I'll record it, and then I'll watch it later. So I have uh, that to kind of, you know, I can't watch it this week. I can record it, and I can watch it whenever I want. So that's what I do, because I'm a super fan, and I'm crazy about the Browns. So the Browns went to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Ravens. So when you see the Baltimore Ravens, that's my old team. They moved out there, and guess what? They won a Super Bowl. Now, I always like to point this out, uh, not only to myself sometimes, to others, that I feel cursed. Like, the organization is kind of cursed. I don't know who cursed us, when it happened, when it's going to end, but I really do feel that because it seems that, you know, you know, people like Bernie Kozar, who are with our team and did well, but never got to the Super Bowl. Well, he left the Browns, right? Because um, Bill Belichick actually cut him at one point, and that was a big deal here as well. Because Kozar is just admired very much. Just a really nice guy, and he really made some exciting times for the city. Well, he was cut by Belichick and was eventually signed on with the Cowboys. Won a Super Bowl. Ernest Beiner. The guy who fumbled the ball was eventually released by the Browns and went to the Washington Redskins, won a Super Bowl. Art Modell, owner of the Cleveland Browns, sells the team, moves to Baltimore. A few years later, wins a Super Bowl. And then, also, we have Bill Belichick, who really learned how to be a head coach with us. Goes on, I think he went and coached the Jets for a year or two. And then went to Boston, coached the Patriots, and is considered one of the greatest head coaches of all time. And I believe he has five Super Bowls. And I'm sure there are other examples about players or coaches that have been here in the past, left, and have had success. Why? Why is that? Why can't, when is it going to be our time? I hope it's soon. All right, I just wanted to point this out that, uh, you know, we got the team back in 1999, right? And uh, it has not been a good time for us since then. It really, it just hasn't. It has been nothing but heartache and disappointment since they came back. Here, excuse me, here are a list of the coaches that we have had since 1999. Chris Palmer, Butch Davis, Terry Rabisky, Romeo Cronell, Eric Mangini, Pat Shermer, uh, and this is when Jimmy Haslam bought the team. Ugh, and I'll get to him in a second. Okay, after Pat Shermer came Rob Chidzinski, Mike Pettin. I kind of like Mike Pettin. And now, Hugh Jackson. Uh, here are a list of the quarterbacks that we have had since 1999. Now, these are the quarterbacks that have started a game for us. Brace yourself. Tim Couch, Ty Detmer, Spurgeon Wynn, Doug Peterson, Kelly Holcomb, Luke McCown, Jeff Garcia, Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry, there's more. Ken Dorsey, Bruce Gradkowski, Derek Anderson, Brady Quinn, Jake DeLome, Seneca Wallace, Colt McCoy, Thad Lewis, Brian Hoyer, Brandon Whedon, I think I need water. Jason Campbell, Johnny Manziel, Austin Davis, Robert Griffin III, Josh McCown, Cody Kessler, Deshaun Kaiser, and Kevin Hogan. Holy shit. Just to make a comparison for you, here are the quarterbacks for the New England Patriots in the same amount of time. Drew Bledsoe, Matt Castle, Tom Brady. And during that time, the coaches for the Patriots since 1999 are Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. Just a little sprinkle of reality for how incompetent the Cleveland Browns organization has been since 1999. We have made the playoffs one time in the Butch Davis era. We played the Steelers' very exciting game. Kelly Holkin played his ass off. We lost. That's it. We also had one other decent year. We went 10-6 and behind Derek Anderson. Very exciting season. Uh, I actually went to one of the most exciting games I've ever been to. Was the uh, Cincinnati Bengals against the Browns. I think it was the second game of the season. We were 0-1. They were 1-0. Well, Chris Palmer and Derek Anderson sling that ball around. I mean, It was beautiful to watch. And uh, even Jamal Lewis, our running back at the time, we had like almost 200 yards of rushing. It was just an exciting game to watch, scoring all over the place. Uh, my cousin from Florida was in town. He, I mean, he loves the Browns too. Huge Browns fan. We went to the game. We had a few beers. It was a beautiful day, like, you know, 60 degrees. I had a blast. We won the game. That was. 2004, something like that. I'm probably wrong, Uh, but it was around there. Very exciting game. Other notable games that I've been to was the uh, Rudd throwing a helmet game. Uh, It was the end of the game. We had the game one, and he got so excited. Our player on the field took off his helmet and threw it. Can't do that. That's a penalty. So the Chiefs, I think it was the Chiefs, had another opportunity uh, with the penalty to get into field goal range and they kicked the game-winning field goal. That was heartbreaking. Uh, I have been on uh, to see uh, games against the Patriots a few times with Belichick on the sidelines. Those have always been kind of entertaining. And I was at Bottlegate when we played the Jaguars and there was a very controversial call at the end of the game uh, and They went ahead and actually played the next down. Now, there was a play, the play before, where it was very questionable and whether the wide receiver caught the ball, our receiver. And we were deep in their territory, almost ready to score a touchdown. And they called it a catch. And we went on and we hiked the ball and did the next play. Well, they stopped the play after the second play and said they needed to review the, the play before. They were like, whoa, even if you think you should reverse this, you already played another play. You hiked the ball and you continued the play. You can't go back. I've never seen that before. Well, they, re- they overturned it. They said it wasn't a catch. Uh, it was a fourth down. So the game was over, right? Oh, my God. The stadium, collectively, was pissed all at the same time. And within, I'm not kidding, within five minutes, people were throwing their beer bottles at the field. My buddy, I actually, my um, brother-in-law, okay, his first Browns game was with me that day. It was me and him. We had pretty decent seats. And seeing this game, and he got hit in the head with a beer bottle. <laughs> it's like, does this happen every game? I said, no, this does not happen every game. And that was exciting to see. <laughs> I mean the in if you ever want to look it up uh, those poor referees were trying to get back into the tunnel to get off the field and they're getting pegged with beer bottles that was a big deal um but it shows the passion in this city it really does it's a very passionate fan base and we just long for a winner so badly and yet we have this owner who has no fucking idea what he's doing and you know what it, his Business was raided by the FBI under investigation for shady business deals. The guy is just shady. Uh, He owns that company that's being raided and investigated. And there's a trial and everything going on. All right. And if you own something like that, you know what's going on. And if you don't, then shame on you. Either way, I think he's a piece of shit. And I'm not afraid to, or ashamed, or afraid to say it. Okay? He is running my organization, the team that I love, into the ground. We are disgrace. It's a dumpster fire. It's toxic. Nobody wants to come here. There are players that are coming out of college are cringing now to be a part of this team. Uh, free agents. You're going to have to overpay everybody because no one wants to willfully come to this mess. I wouldn't even want to come here. It's that bad. And to think that Jimmy Haslam has kept Hugh Jackson who has went 0-16. Are you kidding me? This guy is pathetic. The way he calls the game on the sidelines is ridiculous. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to do two jobs. He wants to be offensive coordinator and be the head coach. You ain't that good, man. All right. There's only a few coaches in this league that can pull that off. What is Andy Reid? And I think he even recently turned over his duties calling the plays to somebody else. It ain't working, dude. You ain't that good. He looks clueless on the sidelines. No passion. Uh, he He just... Time management. He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I was disgusted. at The fact that we kept this guy. I, I mean, he seems like a nice person. Don't get me wrong. This is not a personal attack against anyone. But you know something? I don't care if you're a nice guy. You're nice to your kids? Good for you. So am I. But the head coach needs to be stern. Respected. I hate this whole, oh, he's a player's coach. Fuck that. I want the players to respect you, not to like you. You have a team to lead onto the field to win fucking games. And that's what I want. I want a coach that knows what he's doing, is disciplined. Uh, I heard recently that they're not going to the Senior Bowl. The Browns have an opportunity to go to the Senior Bowl to look at young players coming into the league. And they turned it down because they didn't want to do it. Last year they did it, and they said logistically it was just a mess having to go out there uh, and kind of work it into their schedules. And league sources have stated that last year the Browns' practices were lame, slow-moving, and undisciplined, and were a mess. This is the guy we're bringing back next year. Way to go, Jimmy Haslam. Next year will be a mess. But the only thing that has my true hope up right now, is the fact that Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen uh, are entering the NFL draft. And they are the two best quarterback prospects in a while. I hope we get one of them. I say Sam Darnold. Darnold, I think, can be the answer, hopefully. But you know what? I'm not getting my hopes up because Jimmy Haslam still owns this team. And as long as he owns this team, I don't know. It doesn't look good. Um, he could get lucky and hire the right people. Hopefully, hey, it could happen. Well, We will hope and dream that that does happen here in Cleveland because this is a fan base that is just longing for a winner. We, w- we will appreciate it, most definitely. And me just imagining the Cleveland Browns being in the Super Bowl, I can't even imagine it uh, There are cities that have teams that have been in the Super Bowl and have won the Super Bowl. Boston, my God, what it must be like to be a Patriots fan. The way they're always in the Super Bowl. They've won it like five times in the recent years. I can't even imagine being us in the playoffs. It's like so far off. Us being competitive even. I mean, the last game this season, my Browns was against the Steelers. And because the Steelers already were like in the playoffs. And cemented into their position in the playoffs. Um, they played their backups. And we lost to their backups. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's how pathetic we really are. I will end this. Uh, was it a rant? I don't know if it was a rant. A little bit of history. A little bit of ranting. A little bit of information. Me talking about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, as you can tell. They mean something to me. Um, always have. Can't explain it. But they do. Actors Room turning into football talk this week. <laughs> it's alright. I said that I have other interests and I will delve into them. And I did. So I hope you en- kind of enjoyed the, something a little different this week. Uh, if you're not a sports person, you didn't tune into this week. That's okay. Uh, next week, I will be doing non-sports, don't worry, we're getting right back into uh, entertainment based Um, I'm not quite sure, I have two things that I haven't decided on yet I could go in one direction, which is going to be different, it's the new year, right, decided to go ahead and branch out and do something different the new year, kind of grab a different audience so I have that, I'm kind of looking forward to doing I have this one thing in my mind that I might do and then I have something else that I've been thinking about doing. And I might do that. I know, right? A little bit of a mystery going on. So next week might be this, that. I might go in a couple of different directions and see where it leads me. It may actually lead into something um, where it might change the show dramatically. And if it doesn't work, eh. Then we go back to what I was doing before. Um, maybe different little format. Um, like I said, I might be looking at maybe changing the music up a little bit Uh, I don't know change it up something that might grab a wider audience Um, I want to go ahead and point out that I've been looking at my numbers lately they're very steady and low not abysmal but uh, just enough to kind of keep me like okay I'm going to keep going with this and maybe just maybe if I um, change up a, a few things and grab a few different sort of uh, groups of people maybe and kind of uh, intertwine things. It might work. It's worth a shot. Um, but also looking at the people who are listening to the show, getting a nice little following in Australia. So all of you people listening Australia, very cool. Thank you. Uh, it was that one day I, I looked at my numbers and I had like sixty hits, seventy hits uh, between like for me like between midnight and when I woke up at like six, I had like a bunch of hits all from Australia, like whoa, they came out of nowhere, and ever since then it's been kind of stable in Australia, so i wanted been wanting to shout out Australia for a while now, but I've been forgetting <laughs> but thank you, Australia. And it's not just like one part of Australia. It's like a couple of different parts of Australia that are listening. Thank you very much for supporting the show. And may you have a wonderful weekend. The weekend is just starting for me. And I'm looking forward to the temperature going above 20 degrees. Mm, That'll be nice to actually walk outside and not feel like like a body part is going to fall off of your body. It's that bad when it's that cold, man. Like today, walking out to work, walking out to my car, I breathe in through my nose, and I can actually feel like little crystals, like ice crystals forming inside my nose. That's how disgustingly cold it is right now. And everybody's feeling it throughout the entire country. Like Texas. Texas had like 20-degree temperatures. Florida's in the 30s, 40s. So everybody's feeling this deep freeze. So tonight... I am ordering you to sit back, relax with a blanket, put your feet up on the coffee table, pour yourself a nice drink, maybe two, get yourself warm on the inside, maybe a hot toddy, they're called, right? Or a hot chocolate, hot tea. Tea's becoming more popular these days, right? Have a hot tea. Put a little brandy in there, right? And put in that movie, one that makes you feel happy, tonight not sad no sad tonight happy uplifting okay we're in right after what the holidays we're all just sort of like it's over it's okay we made it through another holiday is great kind of tired you know so I'm hoping that you enjoyed tonight you put in that movie one that makes you feel good inside feel good inside tonight and have a wonderful weekend everyone Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. God bless you. Have a good one.